0: To uh, recap from last time we had class, which was like a week ago, the, what I was gonna leave you with is, remember, we, we were talking about Elijah and Elisha. Well, did I tell you that every rabbi learns a trade because they cannot charge for the words of Torah? Every single rabbi, no matter if they're, if they have thousands of disciples following them or not, every rabbi learned a trade because the Torah or the Mishnah explained that you're not allowed to charge money for teaching Torah. So how did they make a living? Well, they learned to trade. Jesus himself learned to trade. I don't know if you know this, but turn to Mark six real quick. Yes. Where do you think Jesus learned carpentry? Absolutely, I believe 100%. He learned his trade from his earthly father, Joseph. Hurry, what does Mark 6.3 say? Jordan, if you got it, let her rip, tater chip. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James? Okay, cool, that's so cool. Isn't this what? Isn't this what? The carpenter. The carpenter. Do you all know what it says in the Greek? No. no, the word in Greek is tekton tecton in greek i looked this up just the other day because i wanted to make sure that i really was giving good information tecton means craftsman it means builder that tells me that somebody or some group of somebodies when they translated our bibles they looked at the word tecton which does not mean carpenter It means builder. And they said, oh, Jesus was a builder. Well, what did he he build? He probably built houses and dwellings and other things like that. Well, what are those things made out of? When they looked around and they said wood. Oh, he was a carpenter. And they put that he was a carpenter. He was not a carpenter. You know how I know? I've been to Israel. I've seen the houses that were built In the first century, I've been in one. You know what it's made out of? Stone. Stone. It's made out of rocks. And so is every other structure in the ancient world. They're made out of stone. So what is a craftsman who builds things out of stone called? It's called a stonemason. I think 1,000% that Jesus was a stonemason. You want to see something else cool? Turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5. This is really interesting. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? Jesus was the rejected stone but you also are like living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. By whom? By Jesus, the master builder. What does he build with? Notice how Jesus, Peter doesn't say, you are all like big branches of wood that are stripped down and shaped in the machine and laid out to build this. No. And you come to him like living stones, which are, shaped and formed and fit and built into a spiritual house. I just think that's cool because I think Peter thinks that Jesus is a stonemason as well. Well, we know about the commitment that a disciple had to have in order to follow a rabbi. For a long-term disciple like Peter and the gang, that meant a lot of traveling. They literally had to follow a rabbi 24 hours a day and seven days a week to learn from him. There was a rabbinic saying, which supports the picture of a rabbi in the land of Israel in the first century. It was by a guy named Yose Ben Yoser. And this is what he said, three things, are you ready? Let your home be a meeting place for the sages. Number two, cover yourself with the dust of their feet. Drink in their words thirstily. Let your home be a meeting place for the sages. Cover yourself with the dust of their feet and drink in their words thirstily. He lived in the first half of the second century. I said first century, I meant to say second century. Guys, the story of Mary and Martha and Luke 10 is a good example of a family who heeded those words. They were hospitable to a rabbi and his disciples. Not only did they make their home available as a meeting place for rabbi Jesus, but Mary is described as sitting at the feet of Jesus, meaning she was drinking in his words thirstily. Remember? And, and, uh, Martha has a problem with that. (laughs) Tell her to get up and start washing dishes and serving stuff. And he's like, no, she's chosen the better. So uh, a little continuation on Yoseb and Yoser's statement, cover yourself with the dust of their feet. To this day, the unpaved roads of Israel are covered with this fine dust. I had a lot of that dust stick to my whole self as we followed RVL around for two weeks. As a result, when people walk along these roads, they inevitably kick up this, this cloud of dust. You ever seen the Peanuts cartoons with Charlie Brown and Lucy? There's a character called Pigpen, and he's got this dust cloud that just follows him everywhere. That's kind of the idea. Any group of disciples following a rabbi would be covered with the dust at the end of a journey. And if one wanted to travel with a rabbi, you literally had to be covered in the dust of their feet. So today and for the rest of this class, I hope I can remember to bless you, not with the ironic blessing of may the Lord bless you and keep you and lift up his countenance on you. But this blessing, may you be covered in the dust of Rabbi Jesus today. Isn't that cool? Think about this. As you're walking along and there's 50 people behind Jesus Who gets covered with the most dust? The person right behind him. Because as the dust blows up and then dissipates, the 37th disciple back there, he can't even hear him. He's like, what did he say? Uh, I think he said, blessed are the cheesemakers. No, peacemakers, you idiot. Oh, peacemakers, sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't even know what he's saying, but the disciple that's right next to him. Yes, Rabbi, I see that. Oh, uh, Rabbi, can I ask you a question? What do you think about this text, Rabbi? Why does God say that? That's the disciple that gets covered in the dust of his rabbi. How close are you going to follow Jesus? You're going to have a little bit of dust on you at the end of the day? Or are you going to be absolutely filthy? (laughs) I want to be absolutely filthy. Now I want to talk to you about our rabbi Jesus and his disciples. One picture that we gave was, what's another name for a disciple in English? Follower. Follower, okay, more common. Student, right? What did we say about a student? Um, A student wants to know know what 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 the teacher knows. Now listen, I am a teacher. I know this intimately. I see it every single day. My students want to know what I know for various reasons. I mean, maybe she likes the class. I'd like to believe that's true. Oh, I just like the class. That's why I'm in here. (laughs) Maybe he needs the grade. Oh, yeah, that's 99% of it. Most students want to know what the teacher knows because they need the grade. Maybe someone even likes the teacher. Bless God. That's awesome. But a student wants to know what the teacher knows. A disciple wants to be be what the teacher is. You want more than anything else in the world to be just like your rabbi. The, The Bible is relatively silent on Jesus' life until about age 30. We get his birth. Do we get three years old, toddler Jesus? No. Do we get five years old? Kindergarten Jesus? Do we get 12 years old? We do. We get birth. We get 12 years old. And then when do we get? 16? When he got his first chariot? No? No? <laughs> How old is he? 30. He's about 30. So we get birth, 12 years old, one story, and then 30 years old. The question is, what has been happening in Jesus' entire young life. And it's kind of interesting because today we're gonna talk about the three levels of Jewish education. And these have existed for thousands of years. The first level of Jewish education is called Bet Sefer. Say Bet Sefer. Bet, Bet. Bet. Sefer. Bet Sefer. Sefer sounds like sofer and a sofer is a scribe. Sefer is a book. So you can hear why a scribe would also have the same, same name as Sefer, Sofer. You can hear how close those are. What is bet? It's the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Bet-lechem. Oh, Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Beth. What is bet? Beth. Oh, you've forgotten. What is Fred? Bet. Lechem is bread. It's a house. So bet means house. Sefer means Book. book. So this first level is called the house of reading. It's the house of reading. And guess what? It's from ages five until age 12. Can you imagine? You are five years old. First day of school. You walk into your little Jewish school with all the other little Jewish boys and girls. You got your new clothes on. You got your hair done just right. Smell good. Mom washed you. Very nice and washed your clothes and packed you a little lunch. You come in and you sit down. And Jewish schools, by the way, in Israel today look very much like American schools except the kids look a little different. But pretty much the rest of it A lot of it's the same. They still study the same things you you study, math and English and history and science and all that. Except there's a difference. You're five years old, you come in, you see your friends, you sit down, the teacher says, good morning class. Of course, all in Hebrew. Morning teacher. She said, today we have a very special guest. Is it, you think it? And at the door is a rabbi and he walks in with his big black brim hat, black clothes, like the Ashkenazi Jews in the European context. He walks in with his big beard and greets the children. Hello, kids. And they, oh, hello, Rabbi. He's got this box. How are you today? Fine, Rabbi. Oh, my goodness, it's Rabbi. You you know what? They think of rabbis, right? It's like, and he opens this box, and he's got a Torah. Five books of Moses for each kid. And he hands them out. and they each get their Torah. And then he takes a wax piece of paper and he sets it. On, and the kids start talking. What's going on? I don't know what's going on. Why, what's the wax paper for? And he sets the little wax sheet on each and every Torah. Don't touch. Leave it alone. Be quiet. Listen Listen up. And then he gets out a honey bear. Pulls off the cap. And he takes one dollop of Honey. Every single wax piece of paper. Don't touch. When everybody has their honey, he says, now take your little finger and dip it in the honey and put it in your mouth. And every kid does. And the rabbi says, that is what God tastes like. Every kid says, whoa. What did he just do? He gave gave him a picture of when I open my Torah, I will always remember. That's what God tastes like. And they love their Torahs. Really cool. So in Bet Sefer, they learn to read just like we do. We learn to read our letters and, and stories. They learn to read, but they also learn to write and memorize from the Torah. Now, by age 12, many... Learn the first five books of Moses, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, by memory. They memorize every word. Did you just hear what I said? They memorize the entire Torah in eight years, 50 chapters. In Genesis alone, we're doing four little chapters in Jonah. Can you imagine? I mean, guys, if I say to you, then the mariners were afraid and each each cried out to his God. Good, 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 stop. Uh, How about this? So he paid the fare. Wow, not even any pause there. Let me try this one um pick me up see sea so that the sea may quiet down for you yeah pretty good close see see I'm tricking you because there's a lot of C stuff in that first one um what do you mean Sleep cool see how you're doing that that is very Jewish the the problem is we've got one chapter right and it's Pretty good, but it's not perfect, right? RVL said one time, his 55 that he takes every year to Israel, these high school seniors and, and other folks, their bus um, I believe their bus drove by another, a school bus, an Israeli school bus that had broken down. And so all these kids had gotten off the bus. These were school kids, fifth, sixth, seventh graders had gotten off the bus because why are you going to sit on a bus that's not going anywhere? So they came outside and they did what you guys would probably do if your bus broke down on the way to Dallas, they were out there memorizing the text, right? That's what you guys would do. And so here's Arviel and he, their bus stops and he gets off and some of the members of his group say, hey, Arveel, is, it, is it true to that? I mean, do they really know the Torah by memory? And he says, "Yeah. Why, why don't you try it out? Go up and ask one of them. And so, okay. And so this, this guy walks up to one of these kids. Hey, how you doing? Good, I'm good, speak English. Oh, awesome. Hey, um, do you, how, many, uh, how many sons did Aaron have? And the guy's like, come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Give me something hard to do. You know, he names them, boom, boom. What are the names of their wives? Boom, 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 boom. Oh. And and RVL's like, Why don't you give him a hard one? Okay, how many times does the word raven appear in the Torah? And this kid goes eleven. Oh my gosh. So can, can you name the places Well, you're talking about Noah? Are you talking about, you know, this raven being an unclean animal, that's Leviticus, and you I mean boom, 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 just goes down. It's and these, these kids are blown away. These high schoolers are blown away that these grade schoolers have the Torah largely memorized. And we get a teacher to give us a memory verse at school, and it's like, oh, oh it's so, oh, jeez. Well, it's going to be fill in the blank, kids. So don't, okay, good, fill in the blank. I can do that. It's like, are you kidding me? It's unbelievable. So from age five to 12, you memorized the Torah. Now, how did you know if you got there? If by age 12, you had the entire Torah memorized such that your rabbi could walk up to you and say, so he paid the fare and he went down into the ship or he, he paid the fare, and went on in the he ship into, down to go with him to Tarshish, um, away from the presence of the Lord. If you could do that. And then he says, what's the verse before that? Oh wait, so the verse before he paid the fare. Um, I'd have to start, I'd have to start up at, uh, rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa. There it is. So he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Um, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. There, you see how it took me that, these kids would do it. Boom. What's the, what's the verse before that? So he went down to Joppa. What's the verse before that? But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. You know what I'm saying? Like they know it like you know the Pledge of Allegiance. Backwards, forwards. Mary had a little lamb. It's fleece was white white as snow. Boy, uh, y'all don't know Mary had a little lamb. (laughs) Okay. How do you know you got there? If you could memorize the Torah, the five books of Moses, by the time you were 12 years old, you were allowed to go to Jerusalem with your family for Passover, and you got to be the one that killed the paschal lamb. 12 years old. What does the Bible mention about Jesus at 12 years old? Where was he? He was at the temple. He was at the temple. What was he doing? He was, teaching. He, was yeah. he was there for Passover. What does that tell you about Jesus? He knew- he had memorized the entire Torah. He was brilliant. By age 12, he did it. Wow. So what was Jesus doing from age 5 to age 12? Well, the Bible doesn't say we can't know. No. He was memorizing the text. You say, "Oh, baloney. Jesus is God." Listen. If I can do I can if I can do anything, I want to try to convince you that Jesus never did one miracle in his entire life. Because Jesus was never the source of any miracle. Neither was Elijah, neither was Elisha, neither was Paul, neither was anybody that ever did a miracle were they ever the source of the miracle. Who is always the only source of every miracle? Thank you. A little more conviction, who is? God God is, not Jesus. But people want to turn Jesus into a God man who can memorize the whole text like Trinity or Neo could download something from the matrix. I need to learn how to fly a helicopter. Okay, good. Now I know how to fly a helicopter. I need to know Kung Fu. Now I know Kung Fu. Are you kidding me? You think Jesus did this? It took Jesus thousands of hours to memorize the text. How long has it taken you to memorize 17 verses of Jonah? Days upon days upon days. Put all the hours together several hours right three four hours maybe five hours more or less how long does it take Jesus to memorize the Torah eight years and he doesn't take a shortcut because he's God he spends thousands of hours because it's important to him and he's gonna do it because he wants to be like his rabbi pretty cool So my question to you is, are you a Talmud, a disciple? You sitting there, are you a Talmud or are you a student? You want to know what uh, rabbi Jesus knows or do you want to be what rabbi Jesus is? You want more than anything else in the world to be just like Jesus? Yeah, Mr. Dean, I do. Cool, how much time have you spent in the text? Now, if you didn't learn the Torah by age 12, you were done. Bye-bye. You're finished. It wasn't disgraceful. This was God telling you, look at this isn't your world. This is not what I have created for you. I have something different for you. No, it's sad. These boys wanted to be rabbis. Not all of them. In fact, not many of them did. But you can continue to love Torah, but you need to go learn the trade of your father. Go be a potter for God. Go be a fisherman that loves the Lord and loves Torah. But you cannot be like me. You don't have what it takes to be like me. I'm sorry. God bless you You don't make the cut. And this is God's decision, guys, not the disciples, not the students. Discipleship is not about intelligence, it's about guts. Do you have the guts? It's not about intelligence. This is God. God's doing, God's playground. So I had to keep a journal. I don't do journals. I've done one in my life and this is it right here. My trip to Israel in 2009 with RVL. But that impacted me. My relationship with God changed when I learned this Hebrew root stuff. When I reconnected to my Hebrew roots, everything changed for me. And I realized that when I missed that flight, that I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you got up late. I didn't get up late. Well, your alarm—you didn't set your alarm. I didn't forget to set my alarm. What are you? What are you getting at, Mr. Dean? God did all that. What do you mean? By the way, when I landed in Israel, I landed with my backpack that had books in it and a couple of pens and what else? Whatever else you take in a backpack—a snack. And we got off. We got to the. Um, Baggage claim, everybody got their suitcases except guess who? You. Me. Two weeks hiking Israel from waterfalls to deserts to hills and mud. And I had absolutely not one pair of underwear to change into, one pair of shorts that I was wearing, one shirt that I was wearing. I didn't even have a toothbrush. And so this is what I wrote that night. God decided to test our community today by losing my suitcase. God lost my suitcase. Thanks a lot, God. Appreciate that. Nice. And I absolutely blame God because he did it. I didn't lose my suitcase. We say, well, the airline did. No, they didn't. Who's in charge of the universe, by the way? God, God is. Could God have kept my suitcase on the plane that went to Tel Aviv? Uh-huh. Absolutely. If he had wanted to. Did he let it get on a plane going to Madrid for some reason? He sure did. <laughs> Who lost my suitcase? God did. And I had a problem with that. And I took it up with him. And I said, thanks a lot, God. What am I supposed to do? Of course, he didn't answer me. He thought, you little smart aleck. We'll see. <laughs> this isn't about you, Mark Dean. Of course, it's about me. It's my suitcase. It's my life. It's my trip. It's the..." And I hear later on, of course, why don't you shut up? And why don't you look around and realize this is me testing your community? What? Guess what happens the next morning? Here's several pairs of shorts. We brought extra. Here's an extra pair of hiking boots. What? Oh man, there's no way, but I'm a size 10 and a half, 10 and a half. Here's a toothbrush unopened. We, I'm a dentist and I brought all these dentists, you know, things and picks and all this stuff. And pretty soon this 55 people that didn't know each other or didn't know me. They're providing for me. And God says, did you learn anything loudmouth?" And I'm like, Yep, I sure did. I learned to, oh, I just better shut up. <laughs> but I love it because I blame God now. How come I'm not a doctor? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life since I was three years old. I've wanted to be a, a surgeon and I have what it takes to be a surgeon. I really do. I'm not saying I'm special. I knew anatomy and physiology. I can remember everything. I can memorize things easily. I have a, an ability and a skill with my hands to work and I love the human body. I've been fascinated with it since I was a little kid. I was gonna be a doctor and suddenly in college, God said, nope, no, you're not. And he said, well, it's cause you failed chemistry. I shouldn't have failed chemistry. I should be able to understand chemistry. I understand chemistry now, but for some reason I couldn't then. And my GPA was too low and I wasn't able to do it. And, 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 and what I realized is that was God. And I can say, God, why did you not want me to be a doctor? He said, because I wanted you to be a high school teacher in Midland, Texas. But why? Because I have plans for you. And so guys, when you get into the car and you, you get into a fender bender, you get into a car, you realize you're at the gas station and dang it, I forgot my wallet. I got all the way over here and did all the shopping and now I, you can do one of two things. I'm such a, I can't believe this. I can't believe that person. And, I, and leave God out of it or you can say, how come you wanted me to forget my wallet, God? Because you, Could you have helped me remember my wallet? Sure, I could have. But I didn't. No, you didn't. Well, you want me to learn. That is what God wants for us, is to involve him, to bring him into our lives and say, God, you could do this, but you didn't. And what's cool is it takes us so much closer to the Lord when suddenly he's at fault for things. And here's what I mean by that. It's tongue in cheek, by the way. I don't really mean I blame God for all my stupidness, but I kind of do because here's what I mean. Um, somebody says, tell me, tell me if you have ever been asked by somebody, would you pray for whatever it is? Has anybody ever been asked to pray for something? Good. Honestly, raise your hand, keep them up if you need to. Who has ever forgotten to pray for something that they have said they would pray for Oh, I have. I have totally forgotten. In fact, I have had people say, so-and-so's in surgery. Could you please pray for them? And I'm like texting. Yes, I'll pray for him. Hey, Amen. I'm a good person. <laughs> Put my phone in my... And then you know what I get about eight o'clock that night? My mom came out of surgery. Thanks so much for your prayers. And I'm like, oh, I'm the biggest loser in the world. And not only that, I think God's like, okay, there's forgetting things. And then there's forgetting to pray. That's like extra special, not good. So now i this changed the way I even accept prayer requests. Now, when somebody says, can you pray for something? Most of the time, unless I'm planning on praying in the next few seconds, which I do a lot, I'll just, you wouldn't know I'm praying, but I'm like, okay, I'm lifting it up. I'll say, you know what? As the spirit brings that to my mind, I will absolutely pray for that. What did I just say? As the spirit brings what you asked me to pray for to my mind, Now, who's at fault if I don't pray for it? The Spirit is. Do you see how cool that is? That's Jewish. As the Spirit brings that to my mind, I'll do that. Well, what if the Spirit doesn't bring it to your mind? Then I won't do it. Cool. I get to involve God in my whole life. Yes. Because God is involved in your life already. It's just, do you recognize it or not? Okay. Okay.